Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Horton and Bell and the Mississippi Healthcare Alliance for underwriting MPB programs. Your company can be an underwriter too. Find out more. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting to find out how. Morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, October 24th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. All week long, we're holding our fall pledge drive. Stay tuned for details. On today's show, a national organization is working to help Mississippi women negotiate better salaries with the help of an online course. Find out why. While we're stagnating on the pay gap, there are ways to close the gap within our lifetime. Then, how well do Mississippi cities provide an inclusive living environment for LGBTQ people? We'll get the details on a new study. Plus, we'll hear about Mississippians gearing up for a celebration of Native American culture in the state. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi ranks 45th in the nation for gender pay equity, according to a new release, uh, newly released report by the American Association of University Women. They say the median average annual salary for men in the state is about $42,000, compared to just over 32000 for women. Now the organization is launching a free digital online course to teach women how to negotiate for better salaries. Kim Churches is the CEO. She says the Federal Equal Pay Act, which was passed in 1963, is dated and the workplace has changed. She's also calling for more transparency among organizations. She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier more. What stands out most for me is that, sadly, we're stagnating, and essentially the pay gap has only closed by about a nickel in the past two decades. So even though we report on this annually, the pay gap doesn't just hurt individual women, but it's hurting economic security for families. And talking about Mississippi, the report ranks Mississippi 45th nationally in gender pay equity at about 77 percent. That's right. The median annual earnings for men in Mississippi, it was $42,287 a year, and for women, $32,441 per year. So yes, that's a a 77 percent ranking of women earning 77 cents on the dollar. And what does that say to you? I mean, does it illuminate anything for you? Well, the fact that it's worse than the national average, a lot of that is because Mississippi does have a potential to fight for pay equity at a state level. And that means putting in place things on protections like we hope going into 2019 that Mississippi will consider passing a bill to prohibit using salary history in hiring. We know that that's one of the big issues that compounds uh, the pay gap over time. If women you know, are going for a $50,000 a year job, but at their last job they were making 37000 for example, you know, employers can get them on the cheap. But if you prohibit the ability to use salary history, you can really assess the candidate just based on the job they're going into. And looking at the report, it also states that Mississippi is one of two states in the nation that doesn't provide any protections uh, for Correct. women's pay equity. 
Correct. Now, on a positive note, I will tell you that um, we at AUW have a lot of strong advocates on the ground in Mississippi working in bipartisan ways to encourage lawmakers um, to bring forward and sponsor bills uh, to help, because the reality is women are half of the labor force today, and they're more breadwinners um, as women in the household. So if that's the case, you know, this is about economic security for families. This isn't just a women's rights issue. It's, it's about a stronger tax base, better consumer spending, and helping Mississippi to continue to thrive. Did you look at apples to apples, the same yeah. occupations? Yes. In fact, we uh, look at a lot of different occupations to compare, again, that you're looking at a Fuji apple to a Fuji apple and not comparing it to granola, right? So that's really, really important. Some of this is there's no easy explanations for all of it. Some of it is occupational segregation, that idea that women are steered into certain fields that are, you know, quote, unquote, female jobs that tend to pay lower than, quote, unquote, traditionally male jobs. Um, But there's also the motherhood penalty you've got to take into account. You've got to take into account whether there are particular industries that still prioritize, you know, long, long hours, 10, 14-hour days um, while they're working to become partner, for example. Let's talk a little bit about what women can do to be advocates for themselves when it comes to asking for the salary that they uh, want and feel that they deserve and for a raise. What are some things that women need to consider and how do they approach that issue? Sadly, we know that men are four times more likely to negotiate for their wages and benefits. And so we have to really teach women those skills. I don't know about you, but I didn't take a course in college on how to negotiate my salary. So one, we have to get more aggressive about negotiating our own salaries. And that's why we're encouraging women to um, take our Work Smart program, which is free. We offer in-person workshops around the nation. And now, as of today, we've launched a free online course that's available available at salary.aauw.org, um, and it's a one-hour online course. It's not, again, just about learning how to negotiate and what words you say, but really understanding how to benchmark yourself in the market you're in based on that job title you're seeking to know what the average salary is, what, what, what area you should be in based on your skills and abilities. And then also we teach in the course um, how to overcome some of those implicit um, or outright biases that might be against women in the workplace and and how to counter negotiating tactics you might receive from a potential employer. So can you give us one or two practical examples of what you need to do and, and what you need to think about? One is using websites like Payscale and Glassdoor and others to really determine what your salary or your hourly wage should be based on your skills and abilities, really understanding, and then also really being able to articulate your own value statement. How are you able to talk about the quantitative and qualitative wins you've had in past jobs um, and how they're relevant for the job you're seeking? There's this implied um, thing sometimes that you should be glad to have a job. That is a lot of that implicit bias, that you should just be happy that you're being offered a job. The truth is, we also teach in the course, it's not just on negotiating on um, salary. Um, You can also negotiate on benefits, on uh, flexible schedules, on additional leave, on, you know, cell phone and um, transportation reimbursement, wellness reimbursement. There's a lot of things to negotiate on. And I think women have to remember that you don't get what you don't ask for. 
can churches with the American Association of University Women, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us about this. Thank you. Let us know what you think about a story or send us a news tip by visiting MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. Coming up, a conversation from the Mississippi Stop on the StoryCorps mobile tour. But first, MPB Think Radio is holding our fall pledge drive all week. When you contribute, you're giving back to your community in two ways. Your financial support helps keep MPB programs on the air and helps support local pet shelters across the state. MPB's Ezra Wall is here to tell us more. Absolutely, Karen. And people can make that contribution in support of MPB Think Radio by going to mpbonline.org. That's mpbonline.org. Or by calling 888-372-GIVE. That's 888-372-4483. Now, we just heard a conversation that had a lot to do with negotiating total dollars and about negotiating fringe benefits. So let me talk about some total dollars and then talk about some fringe benefits. What we want you to do is become a sustaining member of MPB at $10 a month or more. Or if you're already a sustaining member, I hope you'll consider increasing your sustaining membership by an additional $5 a month. If you do either of those things, the fringe benefit is we're going to donate 10 pounds of pet food in your name to a series of pet shelters all across the state of Mississippi. Mississippi has so many people who care so much about the homeless pet population in our state. And these people work tirelessly to create a better life for our furry friends and furry neighbors. And, uh, and, and it costs so much to run these shelters. And so your contribution to MPB today not only sustains MPB through the next period of time, but will also help sustain and make, make better the lives of the animals of Mississippi. More through, bang for your buck. That's right. More bang for your buck. So give us a, a call or hop online and go to mpbonline.org. That's mpbonline.org or call 888. 372-GIVE. And we're also sort of uh, collecting more pictures online. If you oh, want to yes. post a picture of your furry friend, go to uh, hashtag uh, MPB Pets. That's right. I, I snapped a couple photos on my way out the door today, and you'll see those momentarily. Whether traveling through Oxford or Tupelo, stuck in traffic in Jackson or Meridian, or cruising along the coast in Biloxi or Ocean Springs, MPB goes with listeners wherever they go. Your company's message can go along, too. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting to find out how. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi has a long way to go to provide an inclusive living environment for LGBTQ people across the state. That's according to the Municipal Equality Index, an annual report from the Human Rights Campaign. The seventh annual study shows Mississippi cities with an average of 18 out of a possible 100 points. Xavier Persad is legislative counsel with HRC. He tells us more. So this report assesses only the laws and policies that exist on the books. Importantly, this is not a statement or an assessment of a person's lived experience in any city. We're only looking at the laws and policies that are currently in place on the books. Tell us about Mississippi. How many cities? Do the scores vary between those cities? Yeah, so this year we rated uh, we rated uh, nine cities in Mississippi, um, and uh, those nine cities averaged 18 out of 100 points. Um, that's well below the national average um, of 58 um, out of 100. That's way below the national average. 
Very, uh, yeah. very much so. Um, there's there's lots of room for improvement, but we, we see rays of hope um, in Mississippi, namely uh, Jackson, Mississippi, uh, was the first um, back in 2016 to pass a fully inclusive uh, non-discrimination ordinance that covers LGBTQ people in employment, housing, and public accommodations. Um, Jackson leads the, the cities that we rate uh, in Mississippi with a score of 65, which is above the national average of 58. Um, and shortly after, in 2017, uh, Magnolia passed a similar fully inclusive comprehensive non-discrimination ordinance. And earlier this year, Clarksdale, Mississippi also passed uh, citywide protections in all of those areas. So cities are continuing to lead the way um, on equality, and that is one of the most exciting findings that we find from year to year uh, in this report. In the seven years since you started this, what has changed or hasn't changed? What has changed is uh, every year we continue to see uh, new records in terms of measures uh, on some of our key markers on this report. So uh, in this report, we had the most 100-point cities, 78, which is a a 10-city increase over last year. Um, We have 147 cities that currently offer their employees transgender inclusive health care benefits. That's up from just five in, in the inaugural report, which was released in 2012. What does the Human Rights Campaign recommend that cities do? How do cities get started? And what should be a priority? A priority is always should always be ensuring that no one is fired from their job because of who they are or who they love, that no one has to face the fear of being kicked out of a a, a public space or refuse service um, because of who they are or who they love, and that no one has to be at risk of being evicted um, because they are LGBTQ. So enacting citywide protections for all residents, including LGBTQ people, um, should be a top priority. Cities should also prioritize making sure that their employees are fully protected. So city employees um, should be protected from employment discrimination. Um, They should also have access to fully inclusive health care benefits, including transition-related services for transgender employees. Um, Cities should also ensure that there are points of contact for the LGBTQ community to uh, relay their concerns and have those concerns addressed. So appointing LGBTQ liaisons in the the mayoral's office, in the mayor's office, or and the police office, um, ensuring that hate crimes are reported uh, responsibly annually to the the FBI, and ensuring that their position on equality um, is visible and vocalized. Um, you know, we know that when cities enact pr- real protections for LGBTQ people, um, visitors uh, and residents take notice, and businesses also take notice. Um, you know, uh, it is uh, increasingly a priority of businesses when they consider where they want to expand, open, or relocate um, to look at the laws and policies and how inclusive they are um, of all people so that they know that their employees and their employees' families will be protected. Xavier Persaud is the Index's author and legislative counsel for the Human Rights Campaign. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. The full report is available online at hrc.org slash mei. 
Coming up, we'll hear about Mississippians gearing up for a celebration of Native American cultures in the state. And again, all week long, it's our fall pledge drive as we work to expand our member base. We need help from our existing members and help from those who have never contributed before. If you currently are an existing member, consider making an additional $60 gift. When you do, MPB will contribute 10 pounds of pet food in your name. And MPB's Ezra Wall is here to tell you how much he loves pets and how it can benefit them. Oh, I do love pets. I snapped pictures of my pets that I'll be sharing uh, later today on uh, as soon as the show's over and I have time to do it on our uh, social media feeds. And you can, too. Let us know who lives with you by uh, using the hashtag on any social media platform, hashtag MPB Pets. And, uh, well, let me, let me, we've been talking uh, all week about how people can make their contribution uh, qualified for the 10-pound pet food donation. And let, let's just say it's a pretty hard target to miss. $10 a month, increasing a sustaining membership by $5 a month, a one-time gift of $120 or more. You can donate if, if you donate. $60. Uh, for, for, for sustaining members. But if people are not sustaining members and they oh, give a one-time gift of $120, uh, they can be part of the donation process. If you donate $500 as a one-time gift, we'll donate 50 pounds. If you donate $1,000 as a one-time gift, we'll donate 50 pounds. But let me just tell you, we have increased the number of pounds that we raised by 100 pounds just during Mississippi edition. So I'd like to personally thank each and every one of you who have contributed during this program today uh, for making that happen. Your support makes a world of difference to us at MPB, and it's going to make a world of difference to homeless pets all across Mississippi. So thank you very much. Now, Karen, you and I are both pet uh, pet people. I, it's hard for me to say owners, but we're, they they own us really. Yeah, we're, exactly. They adopted me. Pet people. So how many how many dogs and cats do you have? In One your dog, house? three cats, and I posted a picture of my dog on MPG. Jenny, oh, what yeah. a sweetie! It's a nice picture too. I have uh, I have a dog, Babe, and a cat, Princess Sela. Uh, so post those pictures and let us know who you're donating in honor of. If you're donating in memory of somebody, I will donate later in memory of my late friend, Mister Burns. So. So if you want to do that, hit on mpbonline.org, make that contribution at mpbonline.org, then get on your favorite social media platform, use the hashtag MPBPets. MPB listeners pay attention to quality. They look for quality in their work and their daily lives. If your business cares about quality customers, look to MPB. Go to mpbonline.org underwriting for more information. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippians are celebrating the rich history of Native Americans in the state. The Mississippi Department of Archives and History is hosting a series of events to celebrate Native American culture and history. And Mississippi Public Broadcasting is airing the new PBS documentary, Native America, on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. The documentary series brings to life the world created by America's first peoples. The third episode draws on Mississippi's significant Native American history as it examines the connections of Native descendants including the Choctaw and the Natchez. Rachel Myers is director of the Museum of Mississippi History. She tells us it's a great resource for viewers who are curious to learn more about Native American heritage in Mississippi. So historically, there are many diverse uh, tribes here in the state. But uh, as we move forward in time, the, the main ones were the Choctaw, the Chickasaw, and the Natchez. Who's left? Just the Choctaw? Yes, so the majority, about 90% of the Native population was removed um, during the Indian Removal Act. 
but there was a small group of Mississippi Choctaw that stayed on their native ancestral land. And that is what continues to be the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians. So they're the only federally recognized uh, tribe here in the state of Mississippi. Where did the other two tribes go? So they were removed to Oklahoma, to Indian Territory. And so in the museum, we represent those um, communities as well, the Chickasaw of Oklahoma and the Choctaw of Oklahoma. You said it was a small part of the tribe of the Choctaw left in Mississippi. What is the status of the Choctaw today? So here in Mississippi, I believe they have about 10,000 or so people on the rolls, uh, but they have a a vibrant and very successful uh, community and economy and schools and really continue to carry on the tradition um, throughout all of those generations of people. Uh, I think they're they're seen most doing a lot of cultural programs and, and being out and about. We're about to host a few here at the museum, and we really see this museum as being a great public facing asset um, to talk to people about the Native communities here in Mississippi. As I recall from touring the museum, there's a flat boat associated with the Choctaw, which is the oldest piece you have in the museum. Is that right? Yeah, it's from a Swan Lake canoe. It's about 26 feet long, over 500 years old, uh, and it's the very first artifact that you see when you walk into the museum, which really sets the stage for talking about the, the peoples that were here at the very beginning. How do you know, I always ask this when something goes way back, how do you know it's 500 years old? Yeah, they're scientists. I figured that out. (laughs) Um, Everything in our museum about prehistory comes from archaeological evidence. What was life like for the Choctaw 500 years ago or more? What do we know about that? Yeah, I mean, these were complex chiefdoms. So, you know, there were hundreds and thousands of people that were living here, and they they were mound-building people. So that was a tradition that's actually featured in this episode of the new documentary, Native America, where talking about how folks would build these mounds and have uh, connections all throughout the southeast region. Uh, Trade was very popular, so people would be on the river in the waterways traveling throughout. Uh, It was also an agrarian culture, so they were growing and hunting and, and and they were building these mounds and chiefdoms up through European contact. Tell us about some of the special events coming up. Yeah, so November is Native American Heritage Month, um, and we're really gearing up to do a, a lot of programming here at the museum to honor and celebrate and, and elevate some of these stories. Our goals are to you know, not only celebrate these people and, and rich, diverse cultures, but share the resources and, and the unique challenges that Native people have faced and the resiliency and how they worked to, to conquer these challenges and dispel myths. Um, often visitors come to the museum not knowing very much about Native peoples. And so our goal really is to promote messaging that Native peoples are active and, and vibrant and diverse here community in Mississippi and in Oklahoma and, and across the world. That's what the documentary does is talk to you about the whole continent. So on Saturday, November 17th, we'll have members of the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indian come here to do some presentations. So we'll watch a bit of the film. We'll see some traditional dancing and some other craft works like beading and basket making. Uh, and they'll teach us some of the language, the ancestral language that is still spoken um, in Philadelphia today. And the Department of Archives and History also manages two other mound sites. So in Greenville and Winterville Mounds, Uh, and also in Natchez, the Grand Village of the Natchez Indians. And so both of those sites will also be hosting programming that's aligned with the Native America premiere and also for the month. Rachel Myers is the director of the Museum of Mississippi History. Thank you very much for sharing that information with us today. You're welcome. I'm so pleased to tell these stories, and we hope people will be inspired by the new documentary and want to come down to the museum.
And more information on the Native American screenings, events, and episodes is available at mpbonline.org. And before we wrap up the show, I'm going to toss it to Ezra Wall again to talk about why you should want to support MPB Radio. Absolutely. And the, and the uh, in addition to the great programming that you hear all day long, we're supporting MPB's pets, and in, and in particular MPB or, uh, Mississippi's uh, homeless pet population, by donating pet food in honor of those who donate to us. So if you become a sustaining member at $120 a year or more, that's $10 a month. It's just that simple. We'll donate 10 pounds of pet food in your name, in your honor, uh, to pet shelters across the state. So give us a call right now or go online. The website is mpbonline.org. That's mpbonline.org. And the phone number is 888-372-GIVE. That's 888 888- Three seven two four four eight three, and of course, every contribution comes with our grateful thanks. Coming up at nine o'clock, it's Fix It One Hundred One at ten, Everyday Tech, and at eleven, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.